Hi, Tom Bernard here. You're listening to Best of the Family. Enjoy the show. Thanks for listening. Michael Bryant, Brad, Sean Bryant, what's the latest? Uh, we're just trying to represent people who have been injured through no fault of their own. We're trying to talk to them before they talk to an adjuster or before they take a settlement that isn't something they should get based upon their injuries. How many people are out there in different, not in the law business, that love to run around scaring people before you even get to them? Well, adjusters will want to settle cases right. and they want to close files. So based upon that, they do what they have to. Um, I think there's a lot of circumstances where they probably act as attorneys where they're not attorneys and they try yeah. to explain people's rights or they give them a certain view that if they look at it. And what I always say is this, if the adjuster really truly thinks the offer they made makes sense, they'd have them come see us. You know? And that's exactly my my question is, you have to understand who has the best, your best interest in mind, correct? Well, you want to know what your rights are. You know, whether yep. or not you decide yep. you're going to hire us or not, that's a choice. It's a free consultation, and you want to understand what your, all your rights are and what coverages you have. And plus the fact, I hang out with you, so you got to be a good guy <laughs> if I'm hanging out with you. Uh, maybe. <laughs> uh, okay. Ladies and gentlemen, Michael Bryant, Bradshaw, and Bryant. Back in the saddle again. We're back in the saddle again. Okay, Gene Autry, what's that all about? Well, after our normal break, Coon Rapids Nissan and Walzer Nissan are back on the air with 10 months of terrible commercials. Ever think of hiring a copywriter? Pat's pretty good. Hey, we're selling cars, not carpets. Anyways, too expensive. Check out our new press release. This just in, Burnsville Nissan and Coon Rapids Nissan have started out 2022 as the number one and number two dealers in the state of Minnesota. Jason Leckler has been quoted as saying, this is the year I bump off Dan Resch. He studied animal husbandry for crying out loud. Dan replied with, blow it, J-Lo. What do you think? Mm, maybe you should hire a copywriter. Cool that they're leading the sales race, though. That's good. Yeah, it's actually more than good. Because they were so dominant last year, we've earned more than our fair share of new Nissans. We have 40 Altimas available for March and 120 Rogues. Check out the huge selection of Nissans at Burnsville Nissan and Coon Rapids Nissan. Hey folks, Brian Zepp here. Spring is gearing up, and if you're like me, you've already got the itch to hit the road. Make sure you and your motorcycle are ready with Dennis Kirk. Whatever you ride, Harley, Indian, Metric Cruiser, or Sport Bike, you'll find what you need at DennisKirk.com. They've got 160,000 parts and accessories in stock, clothing and helmets too. Order before 8 p.m. and they ship the same day. Plus, shipping is free for orders over 89 bucks. Get in gear and head to DennisKirk.com. Take it from Zap. They ship today. Have you ever seen a squawk stairs? Well, look at mine. I still want to know what a squawk stairs is. Wait, let's do that. I've forgotten already. It's, an, it's a fictional character from Pennsylvania or something. Squawks? Yeah, it's squonks. like a jackalope or squonk. something. A squawk. A squawk. He says yeah. squawk tears. tears. So many times. I don't. Sorry, I don't keep up on fictional characters. Well, we literally okay. talk about it like every other week, and we tell you that it's a fictional character that comes from like Philadelphia well, or something. I've never heard of it. On me. You know what I mean? Apparently, it's not as interesting to you that you remember it. Ladies and gentlemen, 
The book, Dear Bob, Bob Hope's wartime correspondence with the GIs of World War II, winner of the 2021 Golden Scroll Awards for Memoir of the Year and Christian Market Book of the Year, awarded by the Advanced Writers and Speakers Association. Martha Bolton with us. How are you doing, Martha? I'm doing great. How are you? Magnificent. Do you ever, when you buy, like, you know, when you write a check for dinner, do you ever just put down M. Bolton so everybody thinks Michael Bolton's paying for it? <laughs> I get asked a lot if, if we're related, but oh, we're I, not. I mean, I don't think so. Well, Bolton's a, a semi-common. I mean, it's not common, but yeah. it's, it's out there. Yeah. So yeah. I want to hear about Bob Ho. You know, even as a little boy, I remember admiring him for doing what he did for the troops uh, in Vietnam and all mm-hmm. the rest of it. He, he, that was something else. Oh yeah, no one comes close to to what he did, and and he did it for fifty years. He, uh, uh, you know, uh, he wanted to join the military when World War II broke out, uh, but uh, President Roosevelt felt that his talents would be better served keeping up the morale. But I'm sure President Roosevelt had no idea the commitment that this man was going to take, and uh, he did it for fifty years, all the way up to. Uh, he was 87 at his last military show, so he's climbing in and out of helicopters and right. wow. ducking the same in. Yeah, ducking the same incoming as as the troops. Sometimes, you know, he's up on stage and things are happening behind him. But at 87, you know, he could have retired very nicely, and uh, you know, spent his the rest of his life just enjoying himself. But he was committed. Martha, I didn't realize that he died 18 years ago already. My God. Yeah, yeah. Oh. Isn't that something? He did make it to 100, though. Yeah, he did. He did make it to yeah. 100. <laughs> you know, one thing before we move on, and you know, I'm sorry for bringing this up, but but it, you probably find it. You probably know this already. I did not know this. Whenever he went on the Merv Griffin show, Johnny Carson show, the Tonight Show, you know, with Johnny Carson, any of those talk shows, right. he would hand them a list with five questions on it, and you could not ask him any other question but those five. <laughs> Did you know that? Well, well, we would always work on those shows. As far as when he was going to go on it, he would give oh. us, he would give us, uh, uh, you know, think, you know, he, he would want us to write for him. But uh, I'm sure those were suggestions for the host. But I'm sure they they uh, you know got off on other topics. It's just in show business, it's just where the conversation leads. And I don't. He wasn't demanding that way to uh, that. That's all he. Could. I'm sure he took a list, and he he may have handed it to them. Right, but, right. Uh, you maybe. know, it's yeah, it's, it, it may not have happened all the all the time. I'm okay. sure they, maybe uh, that's where President Biden got it from. Yeah, when may, yeah, Biden probably <laughs> stole stole the idea from from Bob Hope. There you go. So, one other quick question, Martha and I. Sorry, I'll stop annoying you. Who owns the saddle no. the, the saddle house in uh, that saddle shaped oh. house in uh, Palm Springs now? Oh, who owns it now? Um, oh man, I I know I've read articles on right. who has it, but I don't remember the the name. But um, yeah, it uh, that was his house, and you, you you know you could see it from the road down below, and and uh, you know we 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 did shows there, so it's you know very familiar that way. But I I'm not, I know it did it did sell eventually, and because um, it was so big, and you know it takes a special Oh yeah, oh, special yeah. person in a special place of life to be able to buy it. But uh, yeah, yeah, that was uh, he had three actually. He had one in Palm Springs, and then he had one in Toluca Lake. 
oh, and right, then the right. Palm Springs. The, uh, well, he had two in Palm Springs. He had the original one that he lived in, you know, uh, back in the day, and then he had that, uh, the turtle-shaped one. Uh, he had that later in life. I could see that. It was quite, yeah, you, as a matter of fact, uh, a very quick memory. I was at a Capitol Records convention in Palm Springs. I had a call. I had to go fly back to Minneapolis to cut some commercials for a client and then fly back uh-huh. to Los Angeles, then back into Palm Springs. And I do remember, I, I hadn't slept in about 36 hours. I was very, very tired, you know, flying all night and then working in the morning and flying all day to get back there so I could be at that night's meetings. And I remember flying over the mountains, and I was looking at Bob's Ho- Bob Hope's house when we hit some kind of a, I don't know, a, a depression or whatever, and the plane dropped about 200 feet. I'm like, oh, holy. <laughs> Apparently I was very impressed by that house. It was amazing. <laughs> yeah. He may have planned that for you. Who yeah, knows? Bob. It was Bob Hope's <laughs> fault, exactly. Um, you know, i got to be honest with you, Martha. As a little boy, and obviously we're doing it long before I was born, but as a little boy, those Bob Hope and Bing Crosby movies, I just loved them. Oh, gosh, yes. And and what was so, you know, fun about them is he, you could tell that, he, he, you know, him and Bing were having a blast doing them, and then uh, how he would break that fourth wall and talk to the audience, and uh, they just had, they had so much fun. They had so much fun. Well, I had so much fun watching it. Now, how, Ballpark, how old were you when you first went to work for Bob Hope? Uh, uh, late 20s, I think. Um Ballpark. Yeah, <laughs> may, ballpark. May have been early, early thirties, but barely, if if that was the case. Uh, yeah, and and it was. Uh, I mean, you can imagine for a comedy writer that was the dream Whoa, job. Absolutely. And oh, it was just. It was so, and it came out of a disappointment, and uh, with another job that I was uh, shooting for, and had the opportunity, and and then that show got. Got uh, didn't get picked up, and I was like, "Oh, I was so excited that it was going to happen," and then it didn't happen. And then the the gentleman that had recommended me to the to the sitcom uh, also happened to be a writer for Bob Hope. So when it didn't happen, he said, "Well, would you like to try out writing for Bob?" And I I couldn't believe it. I was like, "Oh my goodness, yeah." <laughs> yeah, that'd be pretty so, good. Uh, yeah, yeah. So I did some work, and then one night he called me up after eleven at night, and. Uh, and that you know that that voice on the other end of the line, right? And it was him. So I I started writing regularly for him, and then uh, eventually uh, came on as a staff writer, and then uh, was was his first woman staff writer. So okay, I promise. Just one more question, and I do I want to talk a lot about the book. But I remember okay. that he was on the Tonight Show with Johnny Carson. I don't know, but thirty years ago, probably more than that, probably thirty-five they, years. They ago. were the best when he was they on. Were, they really were phenomenal. Oh, I know. I he know. made Johnny yeah. laugh more than anyone. But Johnny, <laughs> Johnny, and he would take take chances with everybody. It didn't matter who his guest was. If they didn't want something said, he didn't care. So yeah, Bob <laughs> Bob Hope is sitting in the chair, uh, the guest chair, and there's Johnny Carson. He goes, Bob, I got to ask you a question. Yeah, what's that, Johnny? He goes, I saw an article in the Hollywood Reporter. He goes, oh. And he goes, literally, oh. And Johnny goes, is it true that you're worth $500 million? 
And there was a long pause, and Bob said, well, Johnny, I'll be honest with you. My wife saw that article. She's still taking off all the couch cushions <laughs> looking for it. <laughs> it was a great, great was, moment. That was the best one. Oh, it was phenomenal. Was. It was oh, phenomenal. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. No doubt yeah. about it. And, and, oh, it, was, it was such fun. And, and then Johnny came on the 90th birthday show that yep. we did. Um, so they... Yeah, they, they they would go back and forth with each other. You know, one would go on one show and one would go on the other, as did a lot of the celebrities, you know. Yeah, the, it was a great time to be a, a little boy, I'll tell you that. Just watching that as a young boy, seven, eight, nine years old, and then through the, the rest of their lives, just loved right. it. Right. Just loved absolutely oh, adored it. Yeah, and it was such fun. He didn't, you know, he just went out there to have, have a good time. And uh, and the celebrities all knew that, and they just, you know, it was just like a kids putting on a show, you know. It was their chance to. Yeah. Phyllis Diller had a had a really oh, good line. Loved she her said, too. "When Bob and oh, I know she's a sweetheart." Uh, Bob said, uh, "I mean, she said that when her and Bob get together, it was like two little kids playing yeah. in a sandbox of words." <laughs> You're Isn't absolutely that cool? Right. It's true. Yeah. Has, has anyone ever told yeah. you you sound yeah. a little bit like Betty White? Yeah, you do. That's true. <laughs> do I really? Yeah, yeah, you do. On the radio, anyway, through my headphones, you sound a little bit like Betty White. Oh, man. No, I had it. You're the first. Oh. So. <laughs> but, you do, but, you do, but you actually do sound a little bit like Betty White. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. No. <clears throat> oh, that's cool. Well, I loved her. She was great. Oh, she yeah. was awesome. No doubt about it. Now I, I got to just just one thing. I got one criticism for you though, Martha. Could you could you do a little okay. more work? I, I just think writing eighty eight books is not that big a deal. <laughs> You've written eighty eight yeah. books. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> wow. A lot of time on your hands, man. <laughs> That's prolific. I think is what they call that. Is prolific, don't they? I'm pretty sure. It, yeah, yeah. It, that's what that that is something I have been called is prolific. But this was my uh, career highlight is getting okay. to write this one, and uh, we started it back when Bob was alive, so he was fully aware of it, oh. and I was working with the letters. And 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 so I was so uh, impressed with the historical significance of it, but also the peak at his heart. It it just jumps off these pages, and the relationship between him and the GIs is so much deeper than any of us realize. Mm-hmm. And so I I told you know I asked Bob, have you uh, thought about um, putting these into a book? Because I thought they'd make a great book, and and he loved the idea, but he didn't think. Uh, he could make it through them again because he was just so close to these kids and so close to these letters. So he suggested I I talk with Linda, his daughter, and so uh, we did. We started having meetings and started working on it uh, back then. Uh, even had a publisher flew out and met with us, and and then you know as what happens in Hollywood, you get on to other projects projects and and then you know you have deadlines for this one and that one and you you have to take care of those and unfortunately then uh he passed away and then a few years ago she called me uh well contacted me through email first and then we connected on the phone but uh asked if i uh wanted you know it was it was after a the email what it was for and then she said by the way would you know would you like to get back on that book and i couldn't believe it i was so excited because i didn't know where it stood at, mm-hmm. at that point you know and i i just was thrilled now i had the letters used to be at his house 
And so I did the work um, there in California. But then uh, by then, the letters had gone to the uh, Library of Congress. So I started going there to finish the research and, and then continued to write the book. And then I would send the manuscript to Linda, and then she'd send it back with great suggestions. And then, you know, we'd go back and forth and back and forth. And then the publisher, University Press of Mississippi, got on board, and uh, and then it, it came out this March. God, it's just wonderful. Uh, dear Bob, Bob Hope's wartime correspondence with GIs of World War II. Martha, our, uh, my wife Catherine and I do the show together, and our daughter Alex comes in a few days a week to do it with us. Our son's usually here, but he just had a baby on the, on the 7th, so he's at home taking care oh. of the baby. Which is good. Yeah. But Alex, I want to ask you. Congratulations. Thank you very much. Our daughter, even though she she's only thirty two, even well, let me put it this way: paying attention, looking back at, at what your parents watched or your grandparents watched or whatever, when you were in what first grade? Weren't you, is that when you brought uh, your your asked to bring a song to school? I think like kindergarten or first grade. Yeah. Kindergarten. Well, tell why don't you tell her the story? It's a great story. So we were asked to bring in a song that we loved, just something that was like, this is a song that makes you happy. And everybody else brought like Wheels on the Bus, you know, Raffi, whatever. And I brought in I Am the Walrus (laughs) by the Beatles. baby. (laughs) And the reason I even bring that up, Martha, is because it seems like um, most millennials now, and Alex is a millennial at 32, but most of them... I was shocked because we asked a question on, I do a morning show in town, too. We asked a bunch of millennials to tell us about Christopher Walken. Not one of them knew who he even was. Not one of them. Millennials? I'm sure they weren't Gen Z. That might have been a mix. (laughs) Gen Z, literally, it's like they don't pay attention to anything other than what is relevant to them. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. (laughs) Seriously. It's like... (laughs) <laughs> Nothing existed before we did. That's like, <laughs> seriously, it's shocking. Well, that's you sound like I an feel. old lady now, Alex. You're a 32-year-old oh, I've, lady. I've always, I was born at the age of like 43. Yeah, you were, that's true. <laughs> yes. That is true. But the reason I bring that up, Martha, is that, that she does. She looks back all the way to, you know, her grandmothers and what they listened to and grandfather yeah. and all that. But Bob, same story. I knew who Bob Hope was as long as I can remember being alive. Uh, you know, Bing Crosby and Bob yeah. Hope, and you get on the list. I knew all of them. Uh, and yeah. I'm really, really glad that that's the way the world worked back then. There's, there's so much joy. My generation, I, I, missed, oh, the, yeah. I missed the Bob Hope, Bing Crosby movies because oh, I was too yeah. young. But, yeah, I, but for me, I knew mostly from the stuff he did for the military and Johnny Carson. Right. Right. I mean, that's and, right, and a few right. and a few movies, but mostly his his military stuff and Johnny Carson. See, he was always the best when he was on Johnny Carson. Like Johnny Carson and him had a good vibe. Yeah, they did. They yeah. absolutely did. Yeah, definitely. And it, you know, that's one of the reasons we did the book as well is to let the world, you know, those that don't know, uh, inform them of who this man was, and then also those that knew him, you know, to never forget, because this was one yep. man that rose to the top of every single facet of show business. Uh, you know, he did all that, and even when he was a major star is when he started going to the troops. It wasn't for publicity or uh, anything like that or photo ops. He was already a star, yeah, and he true. just yeah. dedicated his yeah. life. He, he dedicated his life to the troops and bettering the world, not just the troops, but... Uh, he would, uh, he, after the shows, 
at NBC when we would tape the show and he'd be up all weekend and he's in his eighties and nineties and he would stay after and just, uh, make these, uh, personal, you know, uh, trip, uh, appeals for different causes one oh. after another, after another into the night. And, and he, you know, he was an elderly man, but boy, he believed in giving back. I think it's wonderful. Martha, do you have another interview? Because it says you're supposed to be up by 11.45, and I want to make sure that I don't hold you from uh, from your duties. Yeah, no, I'm fine right now. I'm fine right now. Okay. I have another one today, but it's later. Yeah. Okay, so you got six more minutes? Oh, yeah. Love it. Sure. Absolutely love it. Because I want to get back to the Alex situation. Why do you think it is that you were born situation. at 43? I mean, seriously, why, I, why do you have so much interest in what happened before you were born? Uh, it's a really great question. Well, we played music I, from a lot of different I know what Andy didn't decades. care. Some people are just born old No, but souls. he still can recognize yeah. it. He still recognizes, still recognizes and knows it. what but it yeah, is. But yeah, I was just, I, yeah, I've always been an old soul, and I've always been the mother of everyone, even when I was in junior high. I know I remember some of my more stellar parental advice was just drink a beer and kiss them already. <laughs> I was like, I was nice. like, Mom, I am 17. This is not appropriate. What is the matter with you? I'm like, mm, no. Absolutely. You know, even in this local area here, I do remember Bob Hope and Bing Crosby used to come to town. There's a there's a golf course here called Midland Hills, and those guys got to be good friends with the head pro. Now, this is Bing Crosby and Bob Hope at the height of their careers in the, the 40s and the 50s. They came up here every year to hang out with the pro over at Midland Hills. There are pictures all over the, the country club, uh, the clubhouse of them. Those guys committed to getting out there and promoting themselves, but they, did, they promoted themselves through friendship, which I really admired. And he was a loyal friend. Yeah, uh, yep. He had friends that went back all the way to radio. Some of the writers that were on the staff when I was on, they they went all the way to radio. Uh, and and we when we would have events, uh, he would invite them all, or they would come down to the show tapings and uh, celebrity old you know older celebrity friends of his. They weren't even on the show at the at, you know for that particular show, and they would just come hang out with Bob. And then, you know, and can you can imagine how much fun that was to be around all these legends? <laughs> but uh, it's just it's just amazing. It is but amazing. He was a great friend. Yeah, he was a great friend. I understand he was very polite. Also, I never got the chance to talk to him. I never met him, but I understand he was a very polite guy. He 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 always was interested to hear what you had to say if he had just met you. Everybody I know that ever met exactly. him thought the world of the guy. Yeah, yeah, and there's. In the book, there's letter after letter where, you know, I, I, I don't, you probably won't remember me, but I met you at a gas station and you came up to me and you said this. And I, I mean, just the, the impact he made on people's oh, lives sure. by, by just being friendly, like you said. He was just an approachable megastar, which, I mean, that doesn't ha- go together all the time. Not today's uh, world. He was, <laughs> no, it doesn't. You're right. <laughs> you got a good laugh on it. Out of the um, in the height of the war, in the height of World War II, he was receiving thirty-eight thousand uh, fan letters a week. Oh, wow! Oh, yeah, can you can you imagine? No. And he did his best to try to to try to answer them all, and as as much as he could. If anybody could have answered that many fan letters, he would have done it. But he he those letters 
just he knew that they sat down and and uh, took the time to write to him, and he was gonna he was gonna answer it. Plus, they would ask for things, and he would make sure that they got it, whatever they asked for. He'd mail it to them, or if it was something bigger, he'd you know take it to the people, take it to the Congress, take it to the president. He was their champion. You know, Martha, it's only 152,000 letters a month. <laughs> Staying a little busy. You almost busy. get that many, right? That's yeah, insane. yeah. It's, I get that many dirty looks is what I get. That's what it is. <laughs> There it is right there. But, Martha, what a great pleasure it's been to have you on. The book is called Dear Bob, Bob Hope's Wartime Correspondence with GIs of World War II. Only 88 books, though. Martha, make more of an effort. Let's go. <laughs> and t- and tell, laughing, and, right? and tell, <laughs> tell agents if anyone of them needs a voiceover for Betty White, they're redoing something. Yeah. That's I'm right. telling you, well, if, you listen to, if you re-listen to this tape, you'll hear it. Is she you, 100 yet? You sound... <laughs> Betty White's 90-something. Is she you, 95 you or 96 sound or something. just identical on there. You really the laugh. Do. The laugh is the last hit dead on. Dead on. It is. <laughs> That'll be my new career. There you go. Martha, please come back. We'd like to talk to you more about whatever you're doing. I want to talk to you about it. Well, thank you. I would love to. Anytime. Thank you, Martha. Martha Bolton, ladies and gentlemen, B-O-L-T-O-N. The book is called Dear Bob, Bob Hope's Wartime Correspondence with GIs of World War II. What a nice person. Yeah. Uh, some city just had a mayor reelected. He's 97. <laughs> 97. <laughs> he's he's like, I do a great job. 97, and he was just re-elected. Boom. <laughs> Taking it to the grave. <laughs> we only got about 30 seconds here, but I wouldn't mind continuing this conversation in the second part. What I'm, you know, I talk about this on the air once in a while. I knew who my mother loved. I knew who my father liked, even though he was only around until I was seven. Well, he came back for a while when I was 16, but that was about an hour. Um, I knew what my grandmother liked. Uh, That's not how it is anymore at all. No, it's not. Not at all. I think it depends on the person because I, you, and I, I got this from you, Dad. I'm gesturing at you, which no one can see. So now I'm telling the people have a very emotional connection to music, which I think most people have an emotional connection to music. But we have a really emotional connection to music. And so I think that that's why it's so interesting to us to listen to what other people listen to and it's for me it's always felt like part of my like part of who you are and part of my family history a bit and so i think that that's why it's always been so interesting to me is because i emotionally connect to the music that you listen to because it's so important to you and it's important to me So it's something that we share. Very, very true. That's why why I was in the record business. That's why I did radio. That's why I did voiceover. I mean, it it was all because I just loved all of that stuff. I loved playing music on the radio. Well, and it's like I remember as a kid just the difference between listening to a song in the car with you and with mom. Like you would play a song, yeah, but you and wouldn't you allow would, me to yeah. get into it at all. No, I'm saying when I was <laughs> a kid. No, I'm saying. If I sang, you no, I'm saying. Jumped out the door when I was a kid, <laughs> like a little. Oh my god! When I was a little kid, <laughs> not teenager. Yeah, no, when you were a little kid, you never liked me. Oh well. No, you never. You should have. You should have emoted stuff. more. Yeah, it was the emotion. You I were lacking said, the emotion. I said, I'll sing if I want. Yeah. I can remember my parents laughing so hard at stuff like. <clears throat> 
like Johnny Carson show. Oh God! And yes. all in the oh, fa- yeah. all in the family. Yep. Mm-hmm. And the Coward Burnett show. Those three shows. Oh, my pa- show. my parents would be like in tears, cry- laughing. I'll tell you something, man. In it, tears. It, it makes me happy every time I see her father. That Carol Burnett did a salute to Catherine's father on this show once. It was. She went out of her way. It was phenomenal. Oh, she's a really, really cool lady. Hey, Don, uh, happy birthday. Just got a text geez. message from Pat Eberts. Yes. Who must be listening to the show. Yes. Betty White will be 100 on January so. 17th oh. of next year. I thought that she was about to turn. Well, if she makes it. Well, what do you mean if she makes it? See, I haven't heard anything that she's... Yeah, she, yeah, she's been off the radar for a little bit. Oh, really? Damn it. Well, there was a meme going around that says, all the chaos in the world, what kind of world are we going to leave to Betty White when we're all gone? (laughs) She's going to live forever. You knew who else has been off the grid and disappeared? It's Mm. Gavin Newstead. I guess he showed up again today. Oh, I guess guess, um, there's been a rumor swirling that because he got a booster and then vanished that he had a bad reaction to the booster. Right. Well, why wouldn't heard. he just say he did? Because he I, can't do that. He can't, yeah. <laughs> what, are you, what are you, crazy? Because the truth. They said he had a family emergency, but his wife apparently was like tweeting and acting completely normal, and he wasn't responding to anything. He didn't show up to the climate summit. He like canceled everything for like two weeks or something. Yeah, I heard he's so, being tre- treated for uh, for something. I think he was being treated for being an arrogant asshole. <laughs> <laughs> he's one of the most that. arrogant oh, human he, beings. Yeah, I, I can't stand him. Oh, he's dreadfully arrogant. He reminds me of... Uh, he's a rich kid, isn't he? Oh, yeah, sure. Oh, God, yes. Who's he married to? He's, his family is involved in some big, giant corporation. Well, they are. They all got their money. Yeah, they all. He reminds me of. Uh, I gotta look it up. Who's the Who's the actor that threw me off his beach? The one that always goes, "Hey, hey, hey!" Oh, you know, oh uh, <laughs> yeah. He just appeared in the news because he said, "You're not going to give it the vaccination to my kids." Yeah, but Matthew he, McConaughey. Matthew McConaughey. He reminds me of him a little bit. His attitude. Yeah, I could see his that. attitude. Matthew McConaughey said that you're not going to. You're not going to vaccinate, vaccinate my, my kids. kids. It ain't happening. No, oh, really. Yeah, he said no way. I mean, what, you well, he's, don't he's need not, it. He's it's not surprising proof to... that kids do not need this vaccine. It's just about making money well, again. Oh, God, I... uh, Scandinavian God. countries and another one just hopped on board with not vaccinating people under thirty with a certain one. I don't remember what the whole story was. Well, I know because like all that stuff. As soon as something negative comes out about the vaccinations, yeah. then all of a sudden there's this blitz of positive things about the vaccinations, yes, exactly. and all the other stuff That's gets di- it just disappears it's the weirdest thing well and in places that have socialized health care they have to evaluate the cost versus health benefit of things like that like they don't like in america everybody is supposed to get the flu shot every year no matter what and in socialized healthcare countries only sick and elderly people get the flu shot because they're like we're not going to spend money on vaccinating everybody because you don't really need the flu shot it, I, I believe it was so it's interesting it, i believe it was because of the um side effects that they were seeing yeah but i'm just saying not because of money i'm just saying i feel like in socialized healthcare places not saying that socialized healthcare is the way to go or anything but they pay attention to certain things more because it's not about profit as much well, it's about them about losing profit. money. We do have to take a break here, but I got to say one thing. Did you see who benefited the most from uh, those thirteen Republicans signing on to that uh, that uh, infrastructure bill? Pfizer. No, no, the infrastructure <laughs> bill. Somehow Pfizer's going to get no, the money areas. From it. 
oh. the areas? Uh, the three, New York. The New York and California. The no, no. Not California. New York. Chicago. Chicago. New Jersey. Philadelphia. And Mitch McConnell's home state. Uh, what a shock. Because wow. he's the one that talked him into endorsing What's Mitch McConnell's home state? Is it Kentucky? Is it, I, I, think I, so. I don't remember. Oh, I don't remember which, what his home state is. But his state benefited the most of any of them. These greedy pigs that have tur- they will turn on you and me to make a dollar. It is told you it's all about the money, man. It's all about the follow money. the money. It's always about what a pig that man is. We'll take a break, come back, and we'll tell you who else is a pig right after this. <laughs> The 2022 Bloomington Boat Show is here and going on now. Get out of the cold and into a 25,000-square-foot heated showroom at Dan Southside Marine. A huge inventory of boats means the best deals of the year. Over 60 boats on display from Premier, Avalon, Berkshire, Alumacraft, and more. Explore what's new for 2022 at the Bloomington Boat Show at Dan Southside Marine. Six blocks west of 35W on 98th Street in Bloomington. Visit BloomingtonBoatShow.com. Tom Bernard talking with Brad Huckle and Michael Bilski of North American Banking Company. We've talked a few times over the years about how North American Banking Company has helped local businesses when they're ready for expansion. We love talking about the success of our customers. One example is suburban manufacturing in Monticello. They create innovative products that produce clean, dry air that is needed during the manufacturing process. We recently helped them expand their business. Moving into a new building gave them the space they needed to add new equipment and production lines. We were able to step in quickly and provide the financing they needed when they needed it. When we help businesses like Suburban Manufacturing with their expansion, it's beneficial for our customers, but their growth also creates new jobs in our community. So they make stuff that produces clean, dry air for manufacturing after working with Bilski. Do they breathe easier with their business belt? We certainly hope so, Tommy. And that's no hot air. Nice one. Why not bank with my banker? North American Banking Company, a better banking experience, member FDIC, and equal housing lender. You all have helped build my pillow into the incredible company it is today and have trusted in Mike Lindell to give you a great night's sleep. Mike's latest incredible deal is on the Giza Dream Sheets, which you've heard me rave about before, that's for sure. These sheets are made from the world's best cotton, Giza. They are ultra soft and breathable, yet extremely durable. Right now, the Giza Dream Sheets at its lowest price ever. These sheets are 60% off, coming in as low as $39.99 with promo code TOM. We are back, ladies and gentlemen. Is this true? What? 40% of U.S. dollars in existence were printed in the last 12 months. Uh Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. 40%? That's scary, isn't it? A little scary, isn't it? 40% of what? 40% of U.S. dollars in existence were printed in the last 12 months. Well, well, here's... What? Let me me say this. You've got to take a video of how... Cassie sucks at turning Oh, my God. Well, let me say this. What's the the context? In her defense, that thing is tricky. What's the context of this? So I don't know if you guys know this. All paper money is shredded 24 hours a day, seven days a week for new money to be printed to stop counterfeiting. It's done every day, 24 hours a day, in every single place. Chicago has one. New York City has one. They shred money 24 hours a day. So is that saying all money that's in the country is recycled money that's just been printed? Yeah, or, or brand new. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That, 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 that doesn't make any sense. Because, yeah. yes, all money is constantly printed. We constantly print money and shred old money to stop counterfeiting. It never stops. Okay. So most money is within a year or two old. 
But 40%? Oh, absolutely. They shred money. You, have you ever been there? No. To the one mm-hmm. in, oh, you, you got to go to the one in Chicago. You can get a tour, schedule a tour. This massive warehouse, and they just got stacks 40 feet in the air of money. They're shredding it. They'll give you big, giant bags of it. You take it home, shred it. Why would they give you money that they're going to shred? No, it's shredded already. Oh. They'll give it to you, shred it. <laughs> I mean, you make I, a mattress out of it. I was like, there that sounds go. like a good plan. I'll go down no, there. No, they'll give you it to you, I'll take pallets of that unshredded money. But they, have, they, they shred money 24-7, seven days a week. And then they print new ones. But I do believe that this 40% is probably high, and, it's because, and that's why we're having inflation. Well, it depends if it's... You mean more money than we usually have is new, 40% new, or just yeah. the, every dollar is new printed? Because, yeah, we print just, money every day to replace In the money. last year, 40% of the money has been printed. But replaced or new or added? I That's don't know. I don't That's why I was asking the question. Yeah. It could, if it's Where's replaced, Andy? If it's go- replaced, googly woogly if it's replaced, <laughs> tell us. If it's just replaced bills, that's probably the common number is 40%. That's probably been the same mm-hmm. for 10 years. We, re- we replace 40% of our money every year. Replace it, not add to it. There you have it. Yeah, because if we added 40%. Yeah, we're in a lot of trouble. Well, <laughs> oh, that dollar ain't worth nothing. Yeah. I'm <laughs> so. sure that's... Uh, I'm sure that's replaced. What does that mean? Oh, 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 oh. oh yeah. <laughs> Judy, stop! I don't know why he's doing this. Judy, stop! I think it's your bag. No, no it's your bag. It oh my god! How dare you bring a bag in here, man? He saw, he saw this bag floating down the hallway. He's like, well, it's a little weird. He's always for been me. super weird about bags. It's okay. It's he used okay. to. Always bark at grocery bags. Yes, he did. He's got a bag problem. He has a bag problem. Crazy man. Are you a psychopath, dude? An odd odd dog. My wife Kathy. Hi, nice to meet you. Hi. Our daughter Alex. Hello. Not not our son. Okay, not our son. Not our son. Oh, come on, man. Well, he's usually here, but he just had a baby this Sunday, so he's she's sitting in for him. She's sitting in for Andy. We just had a baby on my birthday, as a matter of fact. That's beautiful. Really? Yeah, it was. Oh, that's awesome. Their baby was born on my birthday. Yeah, it's the it's the three musketeers now. Alex has got two of the musketeers, and Andy's got the other. It was on your birthday. It's pretty cool. It was on my birthday. Pretty cool. He's got a cone head too. He's a major cone. He's pretty he cool that it's on your birthday. Go on ahead. Yeah. He'll decone. <laughs> yes, he will He'll decone. He'll eventually decone. He'll decone. <laughs> okay, i got to run this by everybody. Barney, you, you can join in too. I don't have a mic for her. There's a, uh, well, there's fine. a mic on this set yeah, of headphones, but you can't hear but you won't the headphones be able to hear through yeah, headphones for some yeah, But anyway, we can hear you talk. So you could take one off. Like yeah, just take this just off and talk into the mic. Because you can hear what we're saying. We just don't. This is a... High you tech operation. The mic here. must be working now because you well, can hear. Well, the mic works. No, the it's mic like works. The headphones. I think the wire must be bad in it or uh, something. Oh, is that what it is? Yeah, we'll we'll get it figured out. Okay. Uh, do you have hey, the you mic on? Yep, everything's yeah, on. on. Okay, go ahead and talk. Say hello. Hello. There we go. Oh, How are you? Somebody is not listening, right? I they, hope not. They, they can't. Oh, no, no, You better be working. You better be working. Working hard or hardly working. Something like that. Okay, so I'm asking the five of you to name. There is a person, he's a famous person, that, that said he's going to or should run against Trump in 2024. And he said, there is no way I would lose. I would beat Donald Trump's ass. Who said that? Joe Biden. She? No, no. 
he. Oh, I think he said she. Joe um, Biden said it. Very no. famous person, very wealthy person. It's an actor, and his name is. Um, uh, I don't know. Any guesses while he's thinking? <laughs> I, I can't think of a actor? single famous person yeah. right now. I didn't say he was an actor. <laughs> I said he's an actor. Oh. He said he's an actor. Um, Dwayne he's Johnson? Been in, he's been in movies. The Rock. Oh, yeah. Yes. No, it's not Dwayne Johnson. Well, no, he's he been in movies, he but he's gonna... not really an actor. Oh. Um, he's had two or three movies, something like that. That's it? He said he suggests he should run for president in 2024, claims he would beat Donald Trump's ass. So he's thinking about running. Oh, I know who it is. Who is it? It's Howard Stern. Exactly. Very good, honey. Oh. I, saw the, I saw that on Twitter yesterday, and I said, oh, sexist pig beats sexist Howard pig. Howard Stern would never get elected. Great. He would never get elected. First of all, he's Jewish. He'll never be a Jewish president. What? What? Well, we'll two Catholics. Yeah, we'll try to get a Jewish to become to be president. Well, a Jewish? Did you just say a Jewish? Say, aren't you a Jewish? He'll never be a where are you never from? Be a Jewish, uh, they'll never Jewish. be a Jewish president. Oh, yes. Why not? Well. Because there's too many anti-Semites, man. I'm telling you. Uh, Marty, uh, are you, are you uh, the member of the tribe? You're nodding your head. I am, I am a member of the tribe. I was going to say, you're not that. Are you a Jewish? I knew a Jewish. I'm a Jewish person. <laughs> That's phenomenal. She's over there going, Would you vote for Howard you. Stern for president? No. I would, I would not. Yay. <laughs> there's two, there's two people that can never become president: an Italian and a Jew. They just won't let them happen, man. An Italian, really? No, no way. Well, well, actually, the Italians ran it when it was Kennedy because he, he was tied to the law. <laughs> Look so what he, happened. Yeah, it's true. They all got shot to death. That's a good point. That's why it'll never happen again. <laughs> That's probably a really good point. They got open. They, they killed open, all of them. Killed? They did. They killed all of them. Yeah. So that's never going to happen again. I don't. Know. Okay, so. The person of interest is not listening, so it's, we're okay. The person to talk. of interest. I hope, so. I hope not. Talk about, 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 about criminal here. Yes, it's a criminal. <laughs> yeah. That's why Marnie's here. Person of she interest. Wants me to have him arrested. <laughs> but no, I, I just want to make sure that I, you know, since we threw your name, we could say you're Marnie, somebody else. Though. That's we could just right. Make up a different name. That's right. Yeah. That'd be good. So, it, it listens to the morning show. Morning show. Okay. Every day at seven. <laughs> Every day it's when seven. you're at your best. Yeah. Well, I've woken up a little that. bit. Let me think about that today. Was I at my best today at seven o'clock? At one of those days because we're going to Nashville tomorrow, right? Uh -huh. So basically, I would ask questions on the morning show and nobody would answer me because they're all making plans about Nashville. I'm like, could you wait till we get off the I, air? I had reservations to make. Grand I had things to do. I'm making lists of things. I'm leaving my children that are going to be juggled between like 17 different relatives so I can be gone for four days with my husband. 17 <laughs> it's, it's like unbelievable how difficult it is. It's been quite a journey to just leave for four days. And it was something that we went and met uh, met Ethan, our new grandson, yesterday. And Alex On Nana Point 3. Nana That's Point three. 3. Three grandchildren now. You do now. <laughs> we got, Alex has a five-year-old and a three-year-old, and they showed up I do. yesterday. I do. And our three-year-old, for some reason, and I don't know why, likes to take his hands and shove my face straight up. He does this. He Maybe goes, he's going to be a plastic surgeon. <laughs> <laughs> you need some doing? work. What are you doing? Is that what Ralph and does when people need a face? I was like, what the hell is... How was that It's fun? because you react so dramatically. Oh, it's my fault. Uh, you <laughs> um, feed into all of the frenzy. All. What do you... What? Okay. My God. 
We are over at my okay. reason. So, so at my ninety-five year old. Sorry, Cassie. Yeah. Like pretend swat at me. Okay. That's what Sage would do, and my dad goes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He does the air fight. Or just the like, or grabs him, and he's like, "Sleeper hold," and I'm like. <laughs> So then it just riles him up even more. And no, he's like, I why don't. Why do you choose to torture me? And it's like, okay. You're making it up. It's because you turn into oh, a cartoon character wrestler. I'm at my 95-year-old grandfather. My grandfather. My <laughs> father's house. My God. He's... Yeah, your grandfather would be about 155. <laughs> and and, and Tom, Tom came with me. And I brought, we brought the grandchildren over there. And they were so loud. My dad was like, Hey, I think they need to settle down a little bit. <laughs> so I'm like, Tom, could you please, you know, quiet down? They quieted down for, what, maybe 12 seconds and then back to. They sat on my lap. I was trying to take control. Yeah, but you're like, ah, ah, ah. Yeah. <laughs> Marty, is there anything that I do right, do you think? Uh... Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure you well, do. Well, they, they do love you. But you do oh, rile. That's them about up. it, Tom. You. <laughs> that's all you've got. Going. No, you rile. Kids, you do rile. No, the kids. Them. It's it's wonderful. You have a great relationship with yes, the children, I but do, they just yes. get they you, get you wind you. them up. Is all we're they saying. They do get wound up. Indoor voice. Indoor voice. Tom, indoor voice. Sage does not have an indoor voice. No. You know what his nickname is for me, Marnie? What? He's three years old, and they call me Bop Bop. That was a funny started. Funny started that. She called me Bop Bop Institute. I think. I don't know what she was trying to say, Papa or Bop Bop or what she was trying yeah, to say. Yeah, all of a sudden, at like a little over a year, she just pointed directly at him across the room and went, Bop Bop. <laughs> <laughs> and we were like, well, I guess that's what you're going to call him now. Been bop Bop ever so since. He's it's absolutely bop, bop. True. So cute. Yep. They are very, very cute. There's no doubt about it. And, you know, and I brought that up this morning on, on, on the morning show. I said, you want to talk about how horrible the world is and America sucks and everything's terrible? When you hold the baby in your arms for about 10 seconds and then tell me how the world sucks, okay? Yeah. It's ridiculous. Oh, my gosh, and he's so tiny. He is oh, tiny. His rib cage literally is like, oh, like holding four a inches. <laughs> yeah. like my kids were massive at birth. <laughs> like, my son, who's not a large kid at all. No. My well, kids now are very size. small. No, he's like on the low end of... He's oh, like, is he? He's tallish, but he's skinny. Yeah, he's skinny, yeah. But my son... At birth, weighed almost three pounds more than Ethan did yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> and I weighed two more pounds than he did. <laughs> you weighed a pound and a half more than Sage did. I was I was two feet tall and weighed eleven pounds yeah. when I was born. He came out with a cigarette. I weighed eleven pounds. Wow, yeah. that's a big baby. Right As a matter of fact, Mark Merrow is my friend. He, when he was born, he was twenty six inches tall and weighed thirteen. Pounds uh, and three ounces. Geez. Can you imagine natural childbirth too? By the oh. way, oh, that makes me feel no. pretty good. That's I would imagine. Right. That's not right. No, they <laughs> Who was this large? Mark Merrow's. I grew up with him. Oh, what birth order was he? First. How many pounds? <laughs> <laughs> we know. That's heavier than like a watermelon. Oh yeah, it's probably as big as a watermelon. I would well, imagine. I, Did they natural childbirth? That's what he claimed. 
don't well, know, man. That seems a little over the top. <laughs> seems a little well, over your the brother top. was, what, 13, wasn't yeah, he? Yeah, Terry was a giant. Terry, but Terry he was, was a giant. He's still a giant. He's like six giant. foot five, and he's a large guy. I didn't know babies came that big. Oh, yeah. When they're pounds. like a month overdue, yes. <laughs> Haven't you seen the National Enquirer where the kids well. come out with a cigarette and a beer? <laughs> <laughs> come on. They're huge. One of the largest baby ever naturally born is. I don't know. I can look oh, it up. Oh, I, I, I read this not that long ago. And I have a friend that's a birth doula. So she is at people's births and assists them and everything. And she will send me. She's like, got a big one today. And it's just like these huge babies. I'm just like, this is amazing. And a lot of that is undiagnosed gestational, gestational diabetes. Babies, children, yeah. yeah. Okay. Babies. The biggest baby ever born vaginally, natural. Okay. This yeah, I understand a, what vaginal is there. Eight, Thanks, well... <laughs> Natural. Never know. Natural. They have so know. many ways to give birth now. Um, she was born in 1846. She measured. She was weight. Or she, oh, I'm sorry. Uh, Anna Bates gave birth to a baby boy weighing 22 pounds. No, no, no. Oh, oh. And no. was 28 inches long. And it was vaginal. Yes. How? How? In Ohio. How? I. Don't know. A shoehorn, oh, maybe? Pounds? I, I don't know. They, oh, God. Fauna <laughs> is five years old and she weighs, I think, 33 pounds. <laughs> yeah. What? 22 pounds? That's, that's like a turkey. That's, <laughs> it's a big turkey. That's a, I was like saying, that's a very large turkey. A big Thanksgiving turkey. Oh, my God. That's oh, not how? right at Understand. all. God bless women. Boo. Yes, God bless us indeed. Mm-hmm. Every God bless us every Oh, here we go. <laughs> Taking all the credit. Oh, yes. We so do all the work. kids in the Jewish world? That's for the Jewish. <laughs> for the Jewish. They're, they're great. They're <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to think of how I answer that. <laughs> <laughs> Can you please speak for all of the Jewish right, children right. in the yeah, world? That'd, that'd be great. Very By the way, I'm going to hold it against you from now on that. That ad that they run on the news, that young woman is talking to the Israelis about the Jewish guy. Yeah. My God, it makes me tear up every time I see it. Oh, God. It's, have you seen that? Which one? Which one? What, what is the, it's, I think it's like the Israeli Relief Fund or oh, something the like feed, that. Yeah, they're feeding. Yeah, what is up with? Oh, yeah. God, these old women have not eaten they in like nothing. two weeks. It's like, oh, Aww, God. Is, yeah. It's hard to watch. It's yeah. really hard to watch. They got to do that because you got Hollywood right now against Israel. And Why is it? Okay, the Jewish. Explain it to me. This is what we're going to call you now. Don't look at me. <laughs> I mean, I grew up in North Minneapolis. Catholic, black, Jews. That's mm-hmm. who grew up in my neighborhood. Everybody loved one another. What happened? I... Now white people are all racist and we all hate black people and the Jews are horrible because they're from Israel. What happened? I don't... Well, they, they, they're going against the Jews because the Palestinians. Yeah, that's and... uh, Well, whatever. Well, how is that our business anyway? It's not. It's not. No. Uh, whatever. We okay, got, we got to take a break. More things we should be. It should be our business. Thing. Like twenty-six pound babies coming out vaginally. <laughs> like that. That'd be a good one to focus on. Oh God! I'm glad it wasn't me. Where do you That's have time, right? Time. All I got is time. All, all I got time is time. We're good. World. Okay, we'll take a break. We'll be back in a couple of minutes with the family. Tommy, I never believed it until now, but apparently you're a pretty big deal. Was there ever a question in your mind? Well, you might say I was a doubting Thomas. See what I did there? Yes, how incredibly clever. Anyway, what's your point? Well, last month I was trying to find you a car to replace the Mafia Mobile and suggested leasing a Nissan Altima as it was impossible to find your first choice. I love that Altima, and I'm actually looking forward to checking out 
the all-wheel drive as soon as it's known. Well, apparently someone at Nissan was listening to us, and at this month, at Coon Rapids Nissan and Burnsville Nissan, we can offer short-term 18-month leases. That's actually pretty smart. By then, the chip shortage will be over, right? Man, I hope so. The only chip shortage I want to hear about is Bilski dumping one into the bunker. By the way, for the first time ever, Coon Rapids Nissan was number one in the state, and Burnsville was number two. Your Altima was actually one of the cars that put J-Lo on top. To learn more about short-term leasing, stop into Burnsville Nissan or Coon Rapids Nissan. Michael Bryant, Brad Sean Bryant, what's the latest? Uh, we're just trying to represent people who have been injured through no fault of their own. We're trying to talk to them before they talk to an adjuster or before they take a settlement that isn't something they should get based upon their injuries. How many people are out there in different, not in the law business, that love to run around scaring people before you even get to them? Well, adjusters will want to settle cases right. and they want to close files. So based upon that, they do what they have to. Um, I think there's a lot of circumstances where they probably act as attorneys where they're not attorneys and they try yeah. to explain people's rights or they give them a certain view that if they look at it. And what I always say is this, if the adjuster really truly thinks the offer they made makes sense, they'd have them come see us. You know? And that's exactly my question is you have to understand who has the best your best interest in mind correct well you want to know what your rights are you know whether yep. or not you decide yep. you're going to hire us or not that's a choice it's a free consultation and you want to understand what your all your rights are and what coverages you have and plus the fact i hang out with you so you got to be a good guy <laughs> if i'm hanging out with you uh, maybe <laughs> uh, okay ladies and gentlemen michael bryant bradshaw and bryant Hey folks, Brian Zepp here. Spring is gearing up, and if you're like me, you've already got the itch to hit the road. Make sure you and your motorcycle are ready with Dennis Kirk. Whatever you ride, Harley, Indian, metric cruiser, or sport bike, you'll find what you need at DennisKirk.com. They've got 160,000 parts and accessories in stock, clothing and helmets too. Order before 8 p.m. and they ship the same day. Plus, shipping is free for orders over 89 bucks. Get in gear and head to DennisKirk.com. Take it from Zepp. They ship today. And the baby looks around him and shares his bell of hay. She's belting it out, man. Belting it out. I would once again like to thank the Jewish for coming with us today. I was saying a Jewish president. The, He's the the. The no, Jewish. There'll never be a Jewish president because Italians and Jews just, they will never let him in. Never let him in. No. Really? Well, we how many forty six presidents? Has there ever been an Italian or a Jewish president? No, no. There are very few even Italian mayors and, and stuff. Como got in there, which yeah, Como. I'm not claiming. No, he's <laughs> yeah, he's, no thanks. He, he's gone. We're not claiming him. I don't blame you. Uh, whenever our guests are ready to go, he's you always ready, oh, ready to go. Larry Strauss, ladies and gentlemen, with us. The book is called Light Man. Uh, you know, Larry, by coincidence, because I, I don't ever look ahead to see who's going to be on the show. I, you know, I see your name listed as our guest, but I don't ever look ahead because I, I want a fresh take on everything. And this is exactly the reason why I don't look ahead. I love Charlotte Ray. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he just goes, oh, oh, thank you. Yes, so do I. Cool. No, it's my mother. I have to tell you, my, my mom, when she... Um, you know, when she was older and no longer getting mobbed in public, she really, really appreciated the people who, you know, still said things and still had that sentiment. She didn't, she didn't expect it. You know, she figured she'd had her run and it would all sort of fade. So, um, you know, so I'm, it's always nice 
for me to hear it because I know, you know, it always meant a lot to her. See, that's a wonderful, that's, see, that's great. That's why I, and again, Larry, that's why I never look ahead to see what you're, you were going to be on about because I wanted a fresh take on it. And it was just such a, a pleasant thing to see. Uh, the Facts of Life, how, how, long, how many seasons Facts of Life? Uh, I don't know. It was like nine, eight or nine. I think she was on for seven. Um, I don't know. I wasn't keeping track. I was a young man, you know, trying to make my way in the world. I was, <laughs> I let her do her thing, but, uh, but I was most of the eighties. I, I know that. I, it was terrific. And his latest book, Strauss delivers wild humor with relentless humanity. We need more relentless humanity, by the way, Larry. So keep writing. Absolutely. <clears throat> we do. And man. wild humor. And wild, yes, yes, and wild humor we need, too. You're right. <laughs> Inspired by the It's a great combination. Uh, this, is, this is an interesting take on it. He shared with his parents some struggles on the behalf of their own real-life broken uh, son, his brother, and from d- three decades of Kafka, uh, teaching Kafka to inner-city students of color. Boy, Larry, that, that, that's, taking some, that's, that, that's taking some responsibility right there, pal. Oh, teaching? Yeah. No, it's a big responsibility. It is. I remember. Uh, I remember when I was hired. This, um, you know, my first principal who hired me was like, you know, you take care of my babies, and uh, I always took that very seriously. <laughs> you know, these are, yes. and now, you know, now I feel that way. Now I feel, you know, when a new teacher comes into the school, like, you know, you take care of these kids. They're my kids too, and uh, you know, some of them. Some of them are in their 40s. <laughs> Some of my kids, <laughs> yeah. who I taught, they're uh, they're grown. They have their own kids. Uh, you know, they have grandkids, and uh, but you know, they're still mine. You know, I still, you know, I worry about them, and uh, you know, want to make sure they're being treated right. <laughs> I love this. In his fifth novel, Light Man, Larry Strauss has created a tragic comic meditation on manhood. Paying homage or homage or homage, how I, I hear that still. Hear However that you pronounced. want to pronounce it. That's isn't it true, Larry? You hear that pronounced three different ways still to this mm-hmm. day. I think yeah. it should be homage. Well, that's like homage, yeah. I think because it's a French word, some people homage. like to do the French pronunciation. Right. Some people, you know, it's like the name ben, Benoit. Some people are Benoit. Some people are Benoit. Yeah, that's true. You know, true. they go back with the French. There's no wrong answer, uh, Tom. But, yeah, there's no wrong answer. That's exactly. There's no wrong answer. Damn it, that's all we know. Um, Larry uh, has created a tragic comic meditation on manhood, paying homage to the quasi dystopian New York City of his childhood and his late. Where'd you grow up in New York City, Larry? Uh, I grew up on the Upper West Side, um, but north of 96th Street, uh, West 106th Street, which was we had a, we lived in a beautiful building, but it was. Uh, a neighborhood that had been in decline. Right. Now, now of course, many years later, it's, it's all been gentrified. There's a doorman in our building. We used to my 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 parents actually started a building association when we moved there, and uh, just to guard the lobby against uh, you know criminals and stuff. So it was you know I remember going. I remember being like eight years old and hearing like machine guns outside of my oh, building. <laughs> And That's when, good. and and when we found out what it was, it was it was uh, police officers ambushing other police officers. Like you know, that was like the Serpico days of the New York. Oh sure. It, it was just you know, and so you know, for me growing up, it all it just felt like 
I really just felt the city out of control. You know, it was like a overrun with crime and pestilence and, uh, and it's just, you know, really made an impression on me and, and the people who, you know, the people who tried to find their way in the, in that city. And that's the two main characters in the novel are, are two men just trying to figure out where they fit into this world and, um, you know, where they fit with the women they love, uh, struggling to kind of find their own manhood in the world. It's so great, Larry. We, we were just talking about the fact uh, we had a guest on earlier. And we were talking about the fact my, my wife and I lived at 20th Street and 2nd Avenue in the early 80s to, the, to 1986. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. i got, I got to tell you, we loved living, living in New York. We absolutely loved it. I thought it was wonderful. Yeah, well, I didn't want to leave. I mean, that's the, the irony of it is I, I didn't, despite all of it, despite, you know, <clears throat> growing up, you know, having to deal with getting mugged as a kid and and worrying about what streets were safe to go down. Um, I didn't want to leave. My family moved to L.A. in the mid-70s. You know, my mother, primarily because my uh, the theater wasn't really, they just, my mother just wasn't getting the parts that, oh. you know, that she'd been getting in the theater. And uh, she had friends out here who were telling her, come on out, you know, you're going to, you can work in TV. Um, and, and, you know, she'd always, believe it or not, she'd always want to be a serious actress. Comedy sort of something that, that she was really good at and, you know, became known for, but she really had always seen herself as a serious actress. And so, um, you know, so she was, she was going to stick with the New York thing, but it, it just wasn't working out. And, she came out here and we moved in the mid seventies. I didn't really want to move. Um, I mean, it was beautiful out here compared, you know, LA seemed like paradise, but I miss New York. I really, I really, uh, I really miss it. And so, you know, I've always had this kind of, you know, I didn't want to say love, hate, it's just a complicated relationship to the city. And, um, and so I've, you know, this is, so this is a book that's as much, for me about that as it is uh it is about the story and and the themes and you know the the you know trying to love each other and trying to fix each other um you know i i have a i, I had a brother growing up my my older brother who was severely developmentally disabled had a whole very complicated set of, of challenges and really my my parents uh you know it was a tremendous struggle for them it was kind of my mother's behind the scenes i remember you know and I, I helped her write her her memoir the facts of my life uh, a few years before she passed and you know the opening scene of the book is her my mother at, at while well, she she was she was molly the the letter carrier on uh, sesame street right. working with all right. these bright kids you know, but meanwhile, my brother was at Bellevue Hospital, and he was, you know, his his situation was deteriorating, yeah. and she was really torn between being a mother and being this character, who, you know, and and being an actress, and you know, the, and and uh, you know, being this character for all the other children, and um, you know, so my parents, you know, they spent a lot of their lives trying to trying to fix my brother, and and. Uh, you know, and, and it was frustrating, but in the end, in the end, it's the act of the, you know, it's the love, it's the act of trying that matters. Yep. The result, you can't always control. And so, you know, that was always a great source of inspiration to me. 
so I kind of modeled one of the one of the characters um, in the story is is a man who he can fix. He's uh, he's really he's a really clever guy. He can fix you know your toaster, your TV. You know, back in the seventies, remember when people actually got things fixed? Yeah. Instead of just I was say, it's been a while, things, Larry. Things were worth <laughs> fixing. Yeah. And you know he's he were he's. Uh, He's the guy you go to in the building when your blender's broken or your radio doesn't work. He can fix anything, but he can't fix his broken son and right. killing him. Larry, it's interesting because again, I don't look, uh, I don't read ahead who my guests are going to be and what they're on about. And in this case, I'm glad again, once again, that I didn't because I didn't know your mother was Charlotte Ray. But also, my father was. Um, Paranoid schizophrenic. My father used to see and hear things. Oh, wow. uh, seven years old, he was institutionalized, and he would wow. be talking to people that weren't there and all the rest of it. So when I, when I saw that paragraph about the light uh, about light man, I went, God, this mm-hmm. this is going to be fascinating because uh, I know how that feels, Larry, and it does not feel good. No, no, the powerlessness yep. over it, and yep. you know, just the tragedy of it, and and um, uh, you know, and of course. I grew up, my, the interesting thing from my perspective is for me, my brother, my older brother was superhuman. He was magical. He could, he could have conversation with a clock and seem to hear things that I didn't hear, you know? So for me, um, you know, I didn't think of him as, I mean, I knew that, I knew that, that he had problems, but I also, that I, you know, that, that, that word special that gets applied really was for me really as a kid really was special. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, but, but, you know, as I grew up, I saw the world didn't really, didn't really value it. You know, he was, it was hard for him to fit into the world. It was hard for him, you know, to live in the world. And, uh, you know, so that's kind of the tragedy of it too. And I I think, I think we're finally just maybe starting to, see this in a different way, you know, see people who are mentally challenged in a different way. But we have such a long way to go in terms of understanding or figuring out how to, how do you make their, their lives more meaningful and just better? I mean, especially if, you know, out here in LA, we see people who suffer mental illness on the street and um, you know, and I, you know, as, as, as a child, of course, I always, you know, I always feared that that would be my brother. Um, yeah. you know, that, that, that if we, you know, if we didn't take care of him, he would be, that would be him as well. Um, and, you know, and then now as an educator, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's something that we're finally starting to confront, you know, that we need to we need to help our children deal with, you know, help our students deal with their own challenges so they don't end up on the street one day. That makes sense. Now, how, how much older was your brother, is your brother than you? He was three and a half years. Three and a half years. Older. So did you, when you first became aware that he, he, you know, had some special problems, did you look inward and go, well, well am I going to, is that going to be me next? Am I going to be like that? Am I going to end up, uh, I you think- know? Yeah, I think I, I think I did. I yeah. think I did. Oh, yeah. But I think mostly, I think mostly though, I, <clears throat> you know, as I said, I, I almost envied aspects of it. You know, the way that he could, you know, kind of transcend the world. You know, it was like, uh, 
and actually in, in the, <clears throat> in the novel, there is a, you know, there are two brothers and the, the younger brother who is the the autobiographical character. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's not a big character in the, in the story, but he, <clears throat> at one point he is, uh, he does artic- articulate that he tells, um, this, this man, this friend of his father's, um, you know, that he believes that his brothers come from another planet and that, you know, they need to find his the spaceship and fix it and go back because the planet he came from is better than this one. And that's, you know, that's kind of, that's, that's his, you know, that's his understanding of his brother, that his brother isn't, there's nothing wrong with his brother. He's just on the wrong planet. Right. Right. It was so amazing which, about uh, that. You know, which, Go ahead, sir. Go ahead. Which, you know, which is how it feels sometimes when you yep. you see, you know, if you get, if you get, if you get past, you know, our, if, if we get past our sort of our, you know, our fear, our, our, our dread, our, you know, our, the, the tragedy of, of someone with a severe mental illness, we get beyond that. We see, you know, they're not all the same and they, there is something special and sometimes there's something you know very beautiful about them there's there's something beyond just you know they're crazy and you know or they're they're threatening to us but it's so hard to get past that it's so hard to to see that um you know and that's that's the tragedy but you know i was able to see it in my brother of course you know because i loved him and i lived with him and you know our parents and because and because my parents you know made it clear, you know, that, that he loved, they loved him and they were going to take care of him. You know, my, and that my parents were told to get rid of him when he was, when, when oh, the God. doctors diagnosed yeah. him. That's what, that's what people did. Yeah, they did. The great playwright, Arthur Miller did that with his son. He institutionalized him from a young age because not because he was a bad, cruel man, because he was told to do it. But, uh, my parents refused to do it. They, they would not give up on him. Well, the so. Kennedys had, you know, what was it, Rosemary, was that her name? Mm-hmm. Rose Kennedy. Rose, yeah. Yeah, it just, you know, it's interesting, Larry. Talking to you has got my, my brain just spinning, looking back on, on the unusual behavior and if your friends happen to be around and the way they reacted to mm-hmm. it. And Yes. Uh, isn't that an amazing thing to go through for a little boy? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I don't think it's ever, I don't think, you know, it's always been with me. Oh yeah. Uh, but of course, yep. as, as a teacher, as a teacher, it it you know it empowers you. You know, it's empowered me to protect kids from that kind of stigmatization. Yeah. And I mean, I'm very sensitive to any anybody making assumptions about a student based on you know some aspect of them. And so I'm very protective of kids who, you know, there are ways that we bully people that we're not even aware of. You know, just making sure. assumptions about them, and so, <clears throat> you know, so I think that's, I think I've been very sensitive to that. Although I, I, you know, I'll say, my, I think my mother probably, you know, she was, you know, totally unashamed of my brother, like, and you know, there were times. My, my, let me, yeah. let me imagine this: Charlotte Ray is in her sixties. This is after the show, after she left the show. Um, going to visit my brother who was at a, a developmental center um, about an hour from LA and we used to take him out a couple times a month we'd take him for a steak and 
steak and lobster at a, like the Sizzler, and then we'd take them for ice cream. And we had this whole ritual. And we we go to the supermarket and buy him stuff, you know, that he liked, that he could, you know, have the intervening, um, you know, week week or week. And um, she, I remember her dancing in the aisle with my brother. Oh God! You know, because Absolutely. he just suddenly said dance. He just suddenly like something came into his head, and he just said dance. And she just went with it. It's like wow. we're gonna dance in the we're gonna dance in the cereal aisle, you know. And God. people walking by and just like, you know. And and of course, you know, there's something very beautiful about it. Sure. Nobody had anything negative to say or about it. It was just it was a little odd, for <laughs> sure. And if they recognized odd. her, really if Mrs. Garrett is dancing with a very strange-looking <laughs> man. Yeah, it's like a, almost like a hallucination. Yeah, but you know, but there's something really beautiful about it too. Like that's you know, mm -hmm. the people are people. Like we don't need to, you know, we don't need to stigmatize anybody for any reason. I agree. Unless they're hurting somebody. Yeah. You know, there's. Yep. No question. Now, is your is your brother uh, still with us? No, he passed away uh, about twenty. Two years ago. The reason I ask you that, Larry, is that uh, I get a call one night. I'm Catherine. Uh, Catherine and our daughter are, are here today. Our son's usually here, but he just had a baby a couple of days ago, so he's not uh -huh. here. But I never got along with my father, never, until I figured out at seven years old, if I did stand up in front of the TV and made him laugh, that he actually would laugh. Wow. That's the only connection I mm -hmm. had with him. I got a call one night. I was 30, 32 years old. I got a call one night, and it said, your father is in the hospital and he wants to see you. He's dying. And I said, he doesn't want to see me. He never liked me. The only time we ever got along is when I was doing stand-up comedy, right? For him. We just, he never, he never, he doesn't want to see me. He wants to see one of my other brothers, right? And, mm -hmm. and they said, no, he wants to see you specifically. So I drove up to the hospital. It was about a half-hour drive. And the whole way I'm thinking, what is this all about, really? And I'm by far, I'm like five and a half inches taller than my other, other brothers. I'm, a, I'm much bigger than my other brothers. I got four brothers, and they're all at least five inches shorter than me. And, you know, they're just. So I get to the hospital. I walk in, and there's my father, 62 years old. He weighs 80 pounds. He's not going to make it more than a couple of more hours or days or whatever it was. You know, gonna, within a few days, he's going to be dead. There's no question. And he had yeah. tubes down his throat, so he couldn't talk. So he had this pad, and he was writing on this pad for about a half an hour. And then the pad, he laid it that face down on his chest, and he signaled for me to come over and get it. And I thought, what is, what is he going to say on this pad? Is he going to tell me he loves me? Because he's never told me that before. Is he going to tell mm -hmm. me, hey, I'm sorry for the way I treated you? Because he's never told me he's sorry either. I turned it around, and it was the fact that I was such a big person. It said, get me out of here. That's what it said on the paper. Uh -huh. Isn't that an amazing? Uh -huh. But you understand that yes. that mentally ill people do think that way. Did you get him yes. out of there? Yes. Nah, in a casket. No, he died. He died. Yeah. What? Forty-eight hours later. No, because get yeah, get me out of there is. I mean, I, I actually went through that with my father when there, he was older. There he, you go. You know, he would he would he would get um, you know, he would get confused and he would get a little dementia. And, and yeah, I remember him being in the hospital and, and saying the same thing. But I and I understood it. It wasn't just get me out of the hospital. It was get me out of this. Mm. Get me out of all of it. All get me of out of it. the <laughs> yes, state right. that my mind is in. Get yep. me out of old age. Like 
you know, just help, you know, that desperation. Can we help each other? And, uh, hey, mate, that's a good time. You know. Maybe LSD is useful. Yeah, maybe. I'm serious. I'm yeah. not kidding you. Maybe right. LSD could be useful in that situation, could man. It could be. You're Absolutely. Right I mean, if we're, if we're using morphine and painkillers, um, yeah, that's just you know, for the body, though. Yeah. Right. Why not? Why not um, help the mind go to another state? Yeah. I think it could be good something point. they should look into. You know, the great yeah. thing, Larry, is someday you come to Minneapolis, you and I sit down and have dinner or lunch, and we'll just weep openly at the table. <laughs> okay, yeah, let's do that. Sounds like fun. Well, that's half the population here. <laughs> and that's half the population. That's exactly right. Larry, I'm really, really happy that we had you on today because people need to understand what it's like to live in a home that it is not like everybody else's home, and everybody in the neighborhood knows your house is not like everybody else's uh, yeah, that's a lot on your shoulders, Larry, for a guy three and a half years younger. And a lot of a people lot. on the street too. Yeah. Oh yep. yeah. No, the opening the opening chapter is all about the park and being at the park and the kid, the six year old with the diaper has a conniption and you know oh, what God. happens and how people react oh, and how God. a father gets his son to calm down and how another man watching that is inspired and says that's. That's I want to do that. I want to be that. I want to be a guy like that, mm. who figured out how to calm his son down in the park when everyone's just staring at them. Yeah, that's uh, that's know. where it all starts. Light man. <laughs> Light man's the name of the book. Uh, you can pre-order it Amazon. Uh, when's it available? Uh, should be within weeks. Uh, the actually the ebook. Anyone who reads books um, on devices, it's already available uh, in that format. The uh, the 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 printed book probably w- within uh, within a few weeks. And uh, I appreciate anyone who pre-orders. Um, uh, uh, do, doing a great a great favor to a uh, to a to a writer with an in- independent press who uh, you know doesn't have a big publisher behind him. Yeah, it's a great thing. It's going to be released on Thanksgiving. <clears throat> on Thanksgiving. November 25th. But, but you can pre-order it now. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pre-order. And uh, if uh, if anyone has a book club, you know, wants to read it for their book club and uh, have me visit them virtually, I will happily do that. You can, That's you know, great. find me through Twitter or, you know, message me. It's not... People always people who hate my USA Today columns always find a way to reach me. <laughs> anyway, it's it's not hard. <laughs> it's not hard, Larry. You got to go on a book tour and you got to come in the studio. We'd love to see you. All right, uh, thank you, thank you. I would love to be there. Thank you, sir. Have a good day. Take care. Bye. You too. Bye. Larry Strauss. It's S T R A U S S. There are two S's. S T R A U S S. Larry Strauss. It's called Light Man. Uh, it's always interesting to talk to somebody who had a mentally ill family member because they do under, it, man, you go through the same things. Yeah. Just this bizarre behavior, you know. He was good, though. There was at one point he started cracking the voice a little bit. You hear that? Yeah. yeah. It's yeah, hard he, to talk about stuff that's painful. It is indeed. we got to take a break and be right back right after this. Tom here for Shift Real Estate. Last year, about this time when we were making plans for Key West, I met the folks from Shift Real Estate. And when I heard the shift story, it made sense to me. 
It made sense to my kids, and it makes sense to pretty much everybody that's heard about them. Shift Real Estate saves home sellers thousands of dollars on real estate fees. How do they do it? Shift lists for a flat fee of $5,000. You work with a full-time salaried agent. They take professional photos and videos of your home, list it on the MLS, and market your home online, all for a $5,000 flat fee. Call Shift Real Estate and tell them about your home. Tell them that you heard me talking about it, and they will tell you how you can save $10,000 or more when you list with Shift. It's the common sense way to sell your home. Visit Shift2Sell.com. That's Shift, the number two, Sell.com. Because life is expensive enough. And we are back with Stretch's Picks. You know, Tom, uh, there's a lot of analysis that goes into these picks. Yeah. And uh, I highly recommend betting, of course. I always recommend betting. Yeah, absolutely. So who's winning this thing? The Kitties, the Pack, the Bears, or the Purple? None of the above. Those are all the teams in the division. I know that. Well, who's your pick? I'm going with Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning. What? It's not a football team. I know, but it's a hell of an HVAC company. They do the most thorough system tune-up in the industry. Saber is one of the largest Bryant dealers in the state, which means you save. Yep, I'm going with Saber, Saber and Bryant, doing whatever it takes to keep you comfortable. It's also the smartest time to call and schedule your furnace tune-up with Saber. Get the most thorough tune-up in the industry from the people who keep my home comfortable. Oh, uh, one more thing, Tom. What's that? Visit SaberHeating.com. Tom here for Continuum Weight and Well-Being. Continuum is here, it's new, and they're doing it differently. There are no meal replacements or foods you're required to purchase. There are no pills or surgeries. They specialize in customizing meal plans for you using all whole, nutritious foods. They don't just focus on weight loss. They are upfront with their pricing. And most importantly, Continuum is designed for long-term success. Schedule a free consultation and find out more today. Go to their website, ContinuumWeightWellbeing.com, or call or text them at 952 952- Four nine one six five two seven. That's Continuum C O N T I N U U M Continuum Weight Wellbeing dot com. I've learned so much from them, and I know you will too. Continuum Weight and Wellbeing Life Beyond Weight Loss Mode. I believe we. You're all leaving early. What time are you leaving? I have to leave. We're going to Nashville. Yeah. Gotta get going. I have to get. We're gonna open this Airheads White Mystery. Airheads. Okay, I looked at that yesterday and I was like, White Mystery. That's gonna be my like. I don't know. Airheads was something that came out. I think when you were a kid. I remember yes. eating yeah. a lot of Airheads, but yeah, White Mystery. I was like, that's like a somebody's drag name or something. White Mystery. Drag name. There's not a lot of smell. No, no smell. Here we go. Wait a minute. What's the mystery? What could it be? What could it be? Sugar. <laughs> what? Sugar not flavored. Much of a mystery. Sugar not flavored. Much of a mystery there. It has, I it has literally no flavor. Has no flavor. It tastes like sugar. It's like gum. Like yeah. flavorless gum. That's what gum. candy no, is. It tastes like sugar. Pure sugar. Sugar with garbage sugar. in it. Sugar. <laughs> it's so <laughs> good. Uh, well, it's not good for you, but. It is good. A hell of a guest list today, I thought. Our guests today were terrific. Yes. Yeah, nice. Had a really good time. Yeah, Buddy nice. White was great. 
Anyway, she really did. After anyway, you said that, I'm like, she totally does sound like Betty White. I pick Especially up on, the last. I pick up on voices quick, and I'm like, that's Betty White. <laughs> I yeah. pick up. That's something that I have too, because like having Dad be in voiceover and like hearing his voice, oh, yeah, yeah. I'm really good at if I hear somebody's voice, I'm like, oh, that's that guy from that movie, or like you know, whatever. My favorite thing, what Dave and I like to do is we, when we watch TV shows, we'll see an actor and we try and see. What two actors, if they got together, had that baby, and that's the actor? And I, I just came across, uh, well, Jacob Fry, Mayor of Minneapolis. I'm like, God, he looks familiar to me, to like oh, an yeah. actor, and I couldn't figure out. He looks like a mix of Patrick Dempsey and Uncle Rico from Napoleon Dynamite. Uncle, <laughs> Uncle Rico. Oh, my God. Like, so, so you went to see Dave Chappelle, and yes. I was watching Dave Chappelle. And I, I was like, when I now when I you get a little older, and now when I look at Dave Chappelle, all I can see is Whoopi Goldberg, and that's and it sounds just like him too. She he sounds like Whoopi Goldberg when he talks. He does. If you put a wig, right. on, no, right. a wig on a on on him, he would be Whoopi Goldberg. Oh really? And he sounds exactly like her. He talk. It's their identical voice. Oh god, that that show was so good, so good, and the documentary is really well. I I don't know where it's I. Is it going to be released on Netflix? Yeah, it's on Netflix. Yeah, it is on Netflix. Oh, yeah. oh the new documentary that we watched, the Untitled. Oh, that oh, I. No, yeah, that's the one I we screened at the at the show. It's a whole new documentary. It's basically yeah. um, when COVID hit, uh, he wanted to keep working. So in his hometown in Ohio, right, yeah. uh, he created like this event, and he just kept putting on shows. He was bringing in different comedians, uh, you know, like Kevin Hart, Chris Rock, Bob Saget. Um, so they're all in there. And Michelle Wolf, the yeah. comedian, she ended up, I think she was doing something with Dave Chappelle, and then the shutdown happened. So she ended up having to live with them because she couldn't get home. So she, You know, calling Michelle Wolf a comedian is kind of a loose Yeah, usage. it's a stretch. Yeah, but <laughs> yeah, I, you want to know what, though? Seeing her in this documentary kind of changed my perspective on her. Yeah. Yeah. She is not a nice person. Yeah, you and, do know that, right? Yeah, I mean, but in the documentary, because I, I know that of her right. not being the nicest person to be around but in the documentary she was very pleasant in that oh, that's and, good. and just to kind of see you kind of get a better introspect on her in her personality versus like she's got a lot of insecurities i'll just say that when nancy was out of town she went and seen whitney cummings at a theater a larger theater mm-hmm. and she said whitney cummings after the show stayed there till the very last person that took a selfie <laughs> with every go. single person in go. that theater Hmm. Wow. That's saying something. That's no, a lot. You're right. You're, you're talking right about that. Two thousand yeah. people. Yeah, hours. Mm-hmm. That's yep. that's some. I mean, I commitment ne- to your fans. I never thought I'd see Justin Bieber Bieber perform live. <laughs> Justin Bieber. Justin, Bieber. I like Probably Bieber is from better. Canada. Yeah. Well, Justin Bieber and who else was somebody else? Usher. Oh, like Usher. Usher. Yes. I know. I like. I keep hearing about everything that happened that night, and I'm like, what? This even what? Well, what? they kept it very low. They all it said was uh, Dave Chappelle and friends. Now, like the the kind of the MC for the comedians was Jeff Ross. Yeah, so he right, was there. Right. Um, they had a, another two other comedians, and then Dave Chappelle came out. We them or no, we watched the the movie. Then he came out. He kind of did some comedy, and then uh, Justin Bieber came out. Then Usher, and then Dave Chappelle came back out, and he actually sang. Well, he was like. It, he can sing. No, no, no. Oh, it was, was more. Say, it was more of sing. a comical thing. But like, he wanted to. He did uh, Prince's 1999. 
Yeah, he, he did just, the Prince thing. Really? Yeah, he did. He wanted to. He loves Prince. And actually, they just posted pictures on Instagram yesterday. The whole crew for the show went in, uh, to Paisley Park um, and stuff like that. And we they had, uh, I think her name was Ruth. Prince's assistant, longtime assistant, was at the show. Oh, okay. Because I guess Dave Chappelle became good friends with her. Um, there was a lot of other celebrities there and then they had uh george floyd's family was there um and some other prominent local people at the show but yeah it was it was very good i thought it was well done it kept in it just like it felt like it just wasn't going to end like it's like okay i don't want to leave yet what's going to happen next on stage but dave Chappelle, he was great and it was great to see him live that's a check off my bucket list right there you know what's amazing about about it he is smart enough he realized uh, all these people that went after him mm-hmm. when he just talked about the trans people and all that stuff, and he's actually very good friends with mm-hmm. whatever. But he was smart enough to realize these frauds are white. I'm black. They're not going to come after me forever. This is going to last about two days. Well, he also he also knows that controversy sells. Mm-hmm. And then right. I'll finish my <laughs> sentence. Uh, you're doing it again. Man. You never, ever let me finish my sentence. Why I is that? Well, you you st- always do. Because you stop a sentence and then I you know. start again. <laughs> so oh, I know. That's because I'm... It's thought-provoking. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was just going to say very quickly that he, that he knows that these people are cowards. The very mm-hmm. people that will rip you to shreds on social media are the biggest cowards on this planet because they'd never do it in person. Yeah, and I think Dave Chappelle knows that. He knows he has millions of fans everywhere and he's just like, I'm rich. What are you going to do? You know, yeah, I'm well, doing my thing. Yeah. This is my thing. Well, you know, he's right. well, same with Joe Rogan. It's controversy that sells. And Dave Chappelle did not say anything negative about anybody at the show. No. And the first comedian that came out was a transgender comedian. Yeah, that's yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah, I think her name was <clears throat> Pink Fox or Pink, Pinky Fox or something like that. She, hilarious. I've never heard of her, but she was hilarious. And. You know, I mean, actually, he was just kind of more pushing the whole George Floyd thing because, you know, he's in Minneapolis. And, what do you um, mean pushing the George Floyd Well, thing? It, it was part of his documentary that he did because when he was doing these events, that's when the whole George Floyd thing happened, and it blew up across the country, across the world. And um, for him to come here, he, he was just, he gave Minneapolis a lot of gratitude. What venue was it at? Target Center. Oh, Target Center. Yes, and I'll be going to the Target Center again this weekend. <laughs> what's, what's this weekend? AEW. ADW? AEW Wrestling. Oh, wrestling. I don't know what that is. Like, I don't know. Chris Jericho, AEW. Oh, it's Chris Jericho. Yeah, okay. it's I don't know anything about wrestling. Yeah, it's a new wrestling. As, the, as your new DJ on KQ says, wrestling. Wrestling? What new DJ? Your new daytime DJ, Woody. Yeah, but- Oh, Woody. Oh, yeah, he Woody calls does. it he rass- wrestling. He calls yeah. it wrestling. A lot of guys say wrestling on purpose. It's a wrestle. <laughs> yeah, because um, um, I used to hang out with all those AWA guys back in the day. So yeah. AEW, is where, where, where's that based it's, out of? Well, Just it's, the division, right? Well, yeah, it's not part of WWF. It's right, a it separate. Yeah. I don't know. Do they call it a federation? <laughs> I, I think, don't know. It, That's I, what I, I think it's a federation. Wrestling yeah. federation. They broke some wrestlers. Broke off. Wrestlers broke off. Yeah, it's Chris, <laughs> actually, Chris Jericho runs yeah. AEW. Oh, he does. They, they okay. broke yes. off. They had enough of the WWE. Yeah. yeah. So like they well, have their own like, yeah. they have like uh, I can't remember 
what is it USA on that network that they play AEW wrestling? Yeah, I don't know. I'm not positive anymore. It's it's so convoluted and the streaming and what networks are what is very hard to decipher. But yeah, so I'm taking my boys to go see some of that, especially my youngest son who didn't get to go on the Chris Jericho cruise. Yeah, oh yeah, um, sure. And he loves wrestling, so I'm going to take him and he'll he'll have a good time. So That'll be good. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I will tell you this that all of my friends that I lifted weight, weights with back in the AWA zero of them are still alive. They're all mm-hmm. dead. Uh, all it tough was life. on it on the cruise, uh Jake the Snake was there? Oh yeah. It's sad. Oh, it's really sad. Really oh, yeah. he's, sad? he's around the bend, yeah. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> you know, yep. just to kind of see See uh, how frail walking. they look at that age. It's <laughs> oh, just. Nice. It's true. No, it is. They look You're like right. dead man walking around. Yeah, it's true. Well, yeah. the the hits and all the physical exertion that happens in wrestling it has to take a toll on your body. And, it's probably like football. And, I mean, you're getting and, thrown around. And drugs. And drugs oh, and steroids. And alcohol. You know. and alcohol. Mm, don't yes. forget alcohol. But just the physicality of it has to play a huge part on. You know, getting hurt constantly, so then you have to take pain medication. Right, then you get hooked right. on the pain medication, and you well, start self-medicating. They don't street, they don't drug test in WWE. I don't believe. I have no idea. <laughs> they didn't back then, anyway. No, they didn't back, back then. then. Right. And people well, were doing they, steroids yeah. too, so steroids take a big toll on the heart. And oh, do they ever? And then no street doubt. drugs on top of that. A lot of cocaine was flowing. Mm-hmm. So, I can't even imagine if I had done steroids how big I would have gotten. Because I got well, up to 317 five, without be dead, him. Oh, I'd be dead. I'd be dead, yeah. absolutely. There's no doubt about it. But it uh, is a whole different world. It was fun back when we were in our you know 30s and 40s. Mm-hmm. But once these guys hit their 50s, it starts falling apart. And if they get to 60, good luck. Yeah. It's unfortunate. But Chris Jericho, he's, he, I don't really know much about him. He's, he, he's a pretty sizable guy, I'm assuming. He's not very tall, but he's built. Yeah. Yeah. Is it steroid muscle? No, he looks naturally. Oh, that's good. Yeah. yeah, He actually he looks pretty good. I mean, he doesn't he doesn't look like he's done drugs or you know had a hard life. Who's all the guys with the? They all look like looked like the prince of Saudi Arabia with the beard with the perfect beards and. Who's the? What's that team? I have no idea. I <laughs> I don't pay attention. I just if it's on, I'll watch it. Yeah, there there's some pretty big, pretty big guys in wrestling right now. Oh yeah, they oh, are steroids. Real? Yeah, they're just naturally big dudes. Oh really? Oh yeah, yeah. And I good look know. and good looking. A lot of ones are good looking. That wasn't when I was a kid. I guarantee <laughs> you that. Like they look like the, the prince crusher. of Saudi Arabia. Oh really? The guy who rules. Have you ever seen this picture? Oh, the prince, yeah. the real prince. Yeah, look, oh, yeah, yeah. he looks look like, like a, him. He looks like a GQ model. Yeah, they look like him. These guys, these wrestlers. Oh wow, man. yeah. It's you know, I I love the old wrestling, like the old WWF days with Andre the Giant, oh, yeah, they, Hulk Hogan, they were in their childhood. Uh, Rowdy Roddy Piper, who was one of my faves. People, a lot of people don't like Hulk Hogan, but whatever you think about him, he's the guy who put put it on the map. Oh, we have a. Hulk Hogan put wrestling on the map, right? In my opinion. Oh, I think he certainly helped a lot. Yeah. There's no doubt about well, that. Well, let's ask Officer Dave what he thinks about Officer wrestling. Dave. Yeah, you're a steroid case. Let's talk to you. <laughs> well, do you imagine how big I'd have been if I'd have taken steroids? Oh, <laughs> my God. Yeah, you'd have been sizable. There's no doubt about it. You would have been a building. Speaking of that, how big of a baby oh were you? Oh, my God. There's no way. How no big, way in heck. How big were you when you were born? 
I was I was normal size. I was eight uh, pounds, thirteen ounces, something really? like that. Really? That's pretty yeah. big. Well, it's not dad, twenty-two yeah, pounds. Not huge. <laughs> yeah, it's on the bigger end, but not twenty-two huge. pounds. Well, that's insanity. Indeed. So, yeah, but yeah, that that whole lifestyle, like Nick said, was just the cocaine, the drugs, the booze, the yep. steroids, yeah. the, all that stuff. No. I'm glad he didn't, Tommy. That way, you know, you'll make it to. You'll make it to 110 like you were talking about with Doc yeah. yesterday. Your heart will was 150. They'll still be on no. KQ. They'll <laughs> still be doing a morning show on KQ. So listen, this is an oldie but a goodie. Yeah, that'll, be, that'll be fantastic. I can't wait. That'll be perfect. Yep. All right, Bill, when are you coming in so, again? When do you want me? Well, whenever you can come, make it. Come when on I, Wednesday when I'm here. Dude, I work on Wednesdays, Nick. Some of us have jobs. Don't yet. Don't they have that blue flu going around lately? Oh my God! There, <laughs> there you go. That's real nice. Not quite yet. Not, not yet, quite, huh? quite gotten that. Bad well, not yet, your department, but... anyway. I know Minneapolis has had a lot yeah, of costs with the flu. <laughs> we're we're too we're too damn small for that. We're yeah. down to we're down to trying to fill four shifts with three cops. Oh, we got God. one on maternity oh. leave. I saw yesterday. One on there was more active shooters in the city of Minneapolis than there was police on duty. <laughs> There's a shock. How'd that ever happen? That um, doesn't surprise me. Are you on your cell phone right now? Yes, I am. What if it gets defunded while you're talking? <laughs> oh, this this is my personal, personal one. Oh, so it won't get defunded by no. you. No. Well, unless it's by me, yeah. All right. They might get thrown out the window one of these days. Well, you got to get in here before, before sometime before Christmas. You got to come in and do a show. So figure out what's good for you. All right, all right, man. I will do that. Thanks, you guys pal. travel safely. Have fun in Nashville. Love you all. Take care. Love you too, pal. We'll talk to you soon. That's gonna do it. Talk to you uh, actually not until next Tuesday or Wednesday. Oh yeah. Because again, if I don't get to bed till ten o'clock Monday night, there is no way I'm doing a morning show. But I'll probably do the podcast. Okay. Perfect. Just go let to, me know so I know what's going on. Ashley, give me that option. I think Andy no. is planning on coming <laughs> okay. in Tuesday. Okay. Tuesday. They're not going to let you not do the show? Yeah, the, at least uh, Tuesday. Uh, the flight gets in at 8 o'clock. So. Then oh, i got to yeah. get all my stuff and get home. By the time I settle in and fall asleep, it'll be at least 10 o'clock. And I get up at 2.30 in the morning. Yeah, yeah it's no hard to run on five that. hours of sleep. No, it's hard when you get older. It's even harder. I can't do it. I have to get well, at least seven hours. I get severe early. brain fog where I'm just like, I can't. Well, I get severe grumpy fog. Not you. <laughs> All right. Grumpy we'll fog. talk to you next week with the family. Yeah.